this. Officially, she is Her Majesty Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and her, her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. Now, that's a mouthful. And my guess is it's pretty hard to get that on a business card. But in fact, that's not all. In Canada, well, it sounds like this. Her Majesty Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom, Canada, and her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. And that goes on for all of the members of the British Commonwealth. But that's not all. In a couple of islands, she's known as the Duke of Normandy and the Lord of Man. But even that's not everything. There are some unofficial titles. She is also a Nebraska Admiral. Now, I didn't know that Nebraska had a navy to begin with or why they needed to de defend their massive coastline, but apparently they do, and they have several admirals, including Bing Crosby, Big Bird, and Captain Kangaroo, which presents a little bit of a problem because maybe he should be known as Admiral Kangaroo. I don't know. Anyway, lots of titles. We, we care about titles. Now, some of that is based on stuff that's sort of long gone, really. But even in our modern day, we care about titles. We care about letters after our name or before our name or under our name that say something about who we are and what we do and maybe a little bit about how we should be viewed. We like titles because they say something about us, but, but we like it because we care about what other people think, right? I mean, it matters to us that people think we're important, that they show us some respect because of who we are or because of what we do. And if we're really honest, brutally honest with ourselves, we might even acknowledge that our titles are important to us because they make us feel better than other people. I have a title, we might think, that no one else in the room has, so that makes me feel important, makes me feel better than everybody else. Maybe they should show me some respect because I have a title that they don't have. We want to feel important. Our titles are important. When I got up this morning, it said James Jones, lead minister, right? I mean, even in church, we have titles. And in fact, if you look back at the history of the church, what you'll find is that Christians seem to be experts in titles because the church has developed all kinds of layers of authority and titles and who's important and how you address that person. And that goes for lots of different Christian groups. Titles can be important. And in fact, even in the first century, we see different groups of people becoming known by certain titles. Now, my guess is sometimes maybe we make more of that than they did. They were just sort of filling roles, but we've taken it and created titles. But the thing is, if titles sometimes make us feel important, if sometimes titles make us feel better than other people, is that really the way we should think about it? Well, Jesus addressed that. We're in the series that we're calling Better Left Said, and we're talking about some things that Jesus said that in some ways we wish were unsaid, that he'd never said it at all because they make us so uncomfortable. And today we come to the last of those. There could be many more, but we're looking at some that we find in Mark chapter 10. So that's where we'll be today as Jesus continues in some pretty difficult teaching. And it begins uh, with Jesus being approached by a couple of his disciples, James and John, and they have a request. And here it is. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their brothers, came to him, and this is what they said. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. You hear that? We want you to do, now you just say yes, and then we'll tell you what we, we wanted you to, add, to do, okay? So just agree to it, and then we'll let you know how you can help us. Pretty open-ended, pretty bold, maybe even brash that they would come to Jesus with this kind of request. But at first, Jesus seems like he's going to humor them a little bit. Verse 36, well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, okay, just, just go ahead, and, before I agree to it, if you don't mind, just let me know what it is. You want from me. And so they do. Here it is, verse 37. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. What are they asking? Here it is. They're expecting Jesus, like lots of people in his day, to come, raise up an army, march on Jerusalem, throw off the Romans, and sit on a throne in Jerusalem and reestablish the monarchy of Israel, David's line of kings. And when Jesus does that, what they want Jesus to do is invite the two of them in, these sons of Zebedee, these brothers, James and John, and he wants one of, they want one of, him to, one of them to be on his right, the most high place of honor, and one on his left. Now, it could be Jesus' choice. They're okay with that. But they want the two highest places of authority in Jesus' new kingdom that he's going to set up. And what we immediately see is, man, they've missed it. They've misunderstood everything about Jesus because they're still expecting him to do something that he's clearly not going to do. He's been teaching what the kingdom of God is going to look like, and they've just heard kingdom and thought, throne room, army, authority, power, wealth, and we want to be in the middle of that. But what's striking is that Mark pairs this passage with the one that comes just before it. Just before the first verse I read, we read these words in Mark chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. Words of Jesus. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, people with titles, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. It is as if they never heard any of that. Because they're so focused on what they expected Jesus to do, be king, they've forgotten what he actually said he was going to do, die. They miss it all. They miss what he's doing for all of humanity because of what they want him to do. Jesus sort of tries to reel this back in. Verse 38. You don't know what you're asking, he said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? In other words, can you really follow me in what I'm doing? Do you remember what I just said about beatings and crucifixion and death and being buried? Do you remember all that? Are you really ready to follow me into that? They aren't thinking about that. What do they say? We can. Yeah, Jesus, we're all over following you. But they're really not. Jesus said to them, 
You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. In other words, I'm not about inviting people in and giving political favors because people have followed me. I'm not about giving out these special places of honor because you were with me from the beginning. It's not what this is about. It's about discipleship. It's about following, and it's about following to some very difficult places. But they don't get it. But what does happen, sort of, sort of a natural human reaction, the rest of the disciples, the other ten, hear that James and John have sort of jumped the gun. They've asked the question. They've asked for what everyone wants before anyone else got a chance. So they, they hear that James and John have asked for these special positions, and they go, and man, they're upset because these two have gotten to try to be first in line. And then Jesus has, at the end of this passage, what I think is really the very first come to Jesus meeting. And it was literal. It's like, come on in, let me tell you what you have misunderstood. I'm going to let you have it. And he does in verse 42. Jesus called them together and said this, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You know how the Gentiles work. You've seen the Romans. Who's the most important? Who do they say is God? Caesar. The emperor. And then there's the nobility and there's the governors. And it comes right on down to the centurions and the Roman soldiers. And everybody has a title and everybody thinks they're in charge. And whoever is in charge lords it over whoever is below him. And you know what? They're faithless people, and you're acting just like them. Verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You're acting like people who don't know God. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, Jesus is talking to these men who grew up going to synagogue, hearing the word of God. They should have understood, and they didn't get any of it, and they had adopted the way that the people without faith treated one another. And Jesus says, that's not how this works. Because if you really want to be somebody of influence, somebody of greatness, what you need to do is serve. You need to serve. And the lesson from this passage is that service matters more than position. Now, we sometimes get that reversed. We think with position comes authority and responsibility and maybe the opportunity to be in charge. And Jesus says what's really important is to look around at and maybe even see people that you have responsibility over. And instead of saying, hey, I want the highest position, I want to be in control, I want people to, to move when I say move, we look in their lives and say, okay, how can I build into these people? How can I serve them in some way? How can I make a difference in their lives? Sometimes our culture is very much like the culture that Jesus described. 
Gentiles without faith who are just looking to move up some kind of ladder to get some kind of position so that they can lord it over the people who are underneath them. And Jesus says, if we're going to be his followers, if we're going to be disciples, and this is where it gets difficult, and this is where we wish Jesus hadn't said it, then we're going to serve. How does that look for us? I mean, there are people in this room who have positions where you work. I mean, you're in charge. You've got to take authority. Maybe you have a position of authority in some other organization in the community. Maybe you have them even in the church. I mean, in each organization, there has to be people who will stand up and be leaders. So how do we as Christians lead without lording? Jesus reminds us that it's about service. It's about other people. So maybe some of us need to look in our lives Say, you know, when have I served someone in such a way that no one knew about it? Because, you know, even in service, sometimes we do it to gain reputation, to get something back, maybe even to hold it over someone's head. But when we serve without anyone else knowing about it, it's a bit of an antidote to that attitude. I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to see it happen. It's just going to be done. And when we begin to force ourselves to do things that no one knows about, I think we can become a little more like Jesus, the Son of Man, who had all authority, but instead humbled himself to serve us, to come as a servant, and to sacrifice himself for us. You know, maybe we need to answer this question. What have I decided, maybe consciously or unconsciously, it may have just happened along the way, what have I decided that I'm too good to do? Because of my position, because of where I am in life, what am I too good to do? That's for other people who don't have my position, my authority. Now, we all have different roles, and I get that. But I'm talking about how we think. What have I decided I'm too good to do? To move tables or chairs or to clean a bathroom. What have I decided I'm too good to do? And maybe for some of us what we need to do is that. Just do it and remind ourselves, you know what? I'm not above this. I may be in authority in this place, in this house, in this building, in this workplace, but I'm really not above this because I'm a follower. Ultimately, I am a follower of Jesus Christ who came as God's Son, Messiah, the Anointed One, the King, And instead of lording it over us, humbled himself on a cross and allowed people to spit at him and beat him and kill him because he loved us. What are you too good to do when Jesus was willing to do that?
Let's pray together. God, help us to see how we've been caught up in our titles and our position and our authority and our place. Whether it's at home or at church or at work or at school or wherever we go. Help us to be so caught up in you that we follow the example of Jesus who came with your authority and served us. Pray it in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you're ready to submit to that name, to Jesus, to give your life to him and serve him with everything you've got, to Put your faith in him and to repent of your sin and be baptized into him, to be immersed into Christ. Or maybe you've done that and you want to be a member of this church and serve with us. If you've made one of those decisions, we'd love to know about it. Come forward. Let us know as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.